Amen. You can take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. And this morning we're going to be starting a little journey. I'm going to preach a series. It's a five-sermon series. We'll probably have an inter, inter, intermission in the middle on the Sunday we move. But looking like we'll preach these for the next four. I want you to think about this. We always at New Year's think about the possibility of a new year. We think about what happened and didn't happen in the past year. And I don't know about y'all, out of all the things that we could look forward to in the coming year, there's nothing that can ever compare to being blessed by God. And I've just been praying, and I want us to look at some things that I think we overlook, we forget, that blessings aren't guaranteed. God loves us, and He desires to bless us. But how we respond to God, what we do with what God gives us, determines some of the blessings we receive. If you're not saved, there's some blessings you'll never, ever be able to partake of. And if you are saved, then there's blessings that He will give you. And even once you are saved, what you do with that salvation, how you follow Jesus, determines some of the blessings you have access to. So I want us today to learn how to be better blessed. And I want us to look at these things we're going to look at. Today we're going to look at honor and respect the Lord, be reverent. That's something that has escaped us in the church today, that our God is holy, that He is mighty, that He is perfectly righteous and just, and He does not tolerate some of the things that we think about. But more than anything, the highest thing that God wants from us is for us to honor Him to respect Him, to bring glory to Him. So to do that, you have to be reverent. Next week, we're going to look at, if you want to be blessed, you want to, you're going to have to love and support the Lord's church. Out of everything on the earth, out of every type of place you can go and be part of, nothing has the love of God like the church. The church is God's people. It's His body. And friends, if you're a member of the church, and I'm not meaning on a roll that you've been brought in through the blood, you have access that God blesses people in the church and the people that He blesses the most in the church are those who love and support the church. You need to be committed and you'll be more blessed. Then you need to honor the Lord with your possessions. What you do with what God gives you determines on how much more you get or how much more you don't get a lot of times. So you need to be generous. God always blesses generous people, and you always lose blessings when you're stingy, when you're selfish. And then finally, serve the Lord with your talents and skills. He's given everybody here talents. He's given everybody skills. And friends, the church that God blesses is filled with people who are involved. <laughs> They're letting their life be used, not just to come sit on a pew and hear a sermon, but to find a place where God can take their skill set, take the talents He's blessed them with, and get plugged in and serve the Lord and be involved with the kingdom work. Can I get an amen? That's a blessed group of people. And then finally, all of that doesn't matter unless you're biblical. <laughs> so you got to be biblical to be blessed. Study and obey God's Word. There are lots of churches doing things that aren't bad, 
but they're not actually the biblical way God would want us to do. So if we're these things, I can promise you, you're going to be blessed. So that's what we're going to be looking at in the coming days. This morning, we're going to look at honor and respect the Lord. Be reverent. As we look at Malachi, it's the last book in the Old Testament. And it was in a time when God's people were doing all the things of going through the fundamentals and the actions of carrying out their covenant responsibilities as the people of God, but they were doing it in a half-hearted, ungodly, unreverent way. They were holding temple services. They were bringing offerings. They were doing all the things that looked like they're supposed to do, but they were just going through the motions. And it wasn't bringing glory to God. It was causing God to wish they wouldn't even do it. And as we look here today, the first thing you see, probably the most important thing about being blessed is to know God loves you. And he says to them in chapter 1, verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And he's telling them, have I loved you? And what he's actually saying is, have I not loved you? <laughs> have I ever not loved you? I was looking at one writer and one Bible teacher, and he says when he said it in the original Hebrew, it was as if God says, you can look at this the way it was worded as, there's never been a time in your past when I haven't loved you, in the present today I'm loving you, and in your future there'll never be a time when I will not love you. I loved you. You know why? Because you're in covenant with me. You're my chosen people. And if you are in the blood, come through the cross of Calvary, through the Son of Jesus, we are His beloved. Amen? We are His chosen people. He loved us enough that He gave His Son for us. His Son loved us enough that He gave His life for us. And if He loved us that much, He also put His Spirit in us so that He could mark us and make us like Himself. And friends, so the whole Trinity, triune God, is, had a part in loving us and loving us now and will love us for all of eternity. Amen? So we already blessed. But guys, think about this. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, in what way have we loved you? So he says, was not Esau Jacob's brother? You see, the covenant started through Abraham. It was carried back to Isaac. And then there was Jacob and Esau, the two twins. God chose Jacob. And look at what he says. If you say, in what way have we loved you? Was not Esau Jacob's brother also, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved. He chose Jacob. And he had a covenant promise through him. Just as the Old Testament saints were under covenant with God, the New Testament, we're under covenant with God too. Jesus said, this is my blood. The blood of the new covenant, which I will make with you. And through Jesus, we are under a covenant promise. Now listen, our God is so awesome that he cannot lie. He cannot break his promise. And his promise is that when we come under covenant relationship with him through his son Jesus that was ratified by the blood of Calvary that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. You have a relationship that is eternal with him. Amen. And not only can God not break his promise, no one can ever overpower God. God is God. No one else can mess up the covenant. And the amazing thing is you won't mess up the covenant. They were messing up, but they were still loved. Have I not loved you? 
Now listen to what he says. Probably one of the most important passages in the whole Bible, I mean in the whole book of Malachi that explains the book, is in chapter 2, verse 5. Listen to what he says. He just said, have I not chosen Jacob over Esau? That's who the covenant was made with. That was my chosen people. Look at what he says in verse 5. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace. I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. He says the law of truth was in his mouth. He's talking about Israel. And injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge. He's talking about the priesthood here that was over their worship. The priest who should have been the leaders, he's saying, for the lips of the priest should keep knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth. But listen to what it says. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Do you know that every one of us is a priest under our high priest, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are the mediators to everyone on earth? When they look at us, they should see God in us. Just as the priest was the mediator between God and men. Now guys, look at this. Look at what he says they did in verse 8. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. Guys, listen. When we, God's people, depart from the way, we lead many, many people away from God. Because they look at us as the first way to see God. Before they can see God, they're going to see God's people. We're the mediator. And friends, they had turned from God. Look at what he says. You have caused many to stumble. Look at the bottom of that verse, verse 8. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. Now listen, even though they corrupted the covenant, the covenant still stood. They was God's people. God didn't say, oh, I'm going to go find me somebody else. I don't know about you, but I got adopted one day. I was given, I'm a child of God. He's my father. And guys, listen, he's your father too. Look at what he says. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And guys, I want you to think about this. This is what he asked them in the book as they began to look at how they were worshiping him. You see, what we do here on the outside is not near as important as of what God sees on the inside. You can come here and you can sing. You can hold your hands up. You can go through all of the external things that look like worship, but God looks past all of that right into the heart, the motive of why we are here this morning. And when he looked at them, there was things in their life that they didn't see that should have indicated to them that our worship is corrupted. But they didn't see it. So he confronts them. And look at what he says in verse 6 of chapter 1. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? Now I want to ask you something. Is God is your father, one of the ten commandments, the ten most important commandments to the people of God is that we honor our parents. Amen? How much more important that we honor our heavenly father? And he asked them, I'm looking at what you're doing. But what you're doing is despising me. It's contemptible in my sight. Because if I'm your father, where's my honor? You're not honoring me anymore. 
Now don't forget, they was at church every Sunday. They were at Sabbath. They were going through the rituals and bringing an offering and giving a sacrifice. But I want you to see what they were doing. He says in that verse 6, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And look at what he says. If I am your master, where is my reverence, says the Lord. Reverence is something that we have forgotten in the people of God. Can you imagine what God would be like if he come in here this morning? I promise you we wouldn't jump up and say, Hey God, we wouldn't run and shake his hand. You see, the word reverence in itself gives indication of how you act when you stand before someone like God who is superior to us. You see, that word reverence, the first word, it's two Hebrew words that come together, means fear. The second word means to fall down as prostrate. And what it's saying is reverence is an attitude that where you see who God is, your awe, the fear, the respect causes you to bow down as an attitude of submission. And friends, listen, reverence is something that God desires. It's something that God, in fact, requires. Reverence is showing deep respect and honor for someone or something that is superior to you. If you go into a court and you don't honor that court, there's consequences. Amen? You say, yes, your honor. Yes, sir. If you stood before God, I promise you there's a certain way you do it. And friends, listen, we forget down here, we want God to be in here. We want God to show up. We want God to bless us. They did too. But listen what he begins to say. One of the things that they forgot, one of the things that they began to do is that they belittled the greatness of God. And we forget how great God is. Listen, no one here deserves to be saved. No one here deserves to be forgiven. And no one here deserves to be blessed. But he blesses us anyway. And if we were honest today and we really did a genuine, true evaluation of our actions, much less our motives, all of us would say, ooh. And listen what the Bible says over and over and over. Psalm 196 8 says, Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So guys, I want you to understand something. If you expect to come into the courts of holy God, experience his manifested presence in your life, in your family, over your home, in your ministry, you got to understand something. What must motivate you is that I know I must be reverent to the point that I can bring the Lord the glory that's due his name. How much glory is due his name? We could stay here forever talking about that. And how do you do that? You bring an offering. What do you bring? You bring your life if you're a Christian today. Amen. We're to be what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. That's what Paul says to do. And guys, listen to what he says here. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. See, what we're doing here, if we start making people think Bethany is something, we have messed up. If God takes us back there and fills that thing up to capacity, builds the biggest building they ever seen on 79 with Jesus painted on it, it's still nothing unless he did it. Because unless the Lord build a house, they build it in vain. Can I get an amen? So if people start bragging about us, we're doing something wrong. It ain't the Marvin Cooper show. 
It ain't the anybody else show. It's the Jesus show or there ain't no show worth going to. And so what we need to understand is when we come here today, it's to worship. That's the primary means. It's to bring glory to his name. It's to bring his name and make it recognized for who he is. That's what they wasn't doing anymore. I want you to look and see what he says here. Look how many times God says it to him. If you look at verse 6, he says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I them am the father, where is my honor? If I am your master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my what? Name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Their primary job was to oversee the worship of the church. The primary act of worship in the church was to bring a sacrifice for your sins, an offering that was given to God as a sweet smell to his holy nostrils to forgive you of your sin. And as they brought that sin offering, they had been given by the word of God specifically how to do it. And they were to not bring anything blemished. They were not to bring something sick. They were not to bring something lame. They were not to bring the leftover. They were bring the firstborn of the flock because it was holy unto the Lord. But they quit doing that. They got to looking and they said, you know, that animal's worth a lot of money. He's perfect. This old sick thing, he ain't worth nothing. I'll just give that to God, that which is blemished, that which ain't worth much, and I'll keep that which is good because it can bless me more. The moment you ever think you can take shortcuts to God, blessings are going to be escaping your life. Because listen what they began to do. He says, you offered defiled food. Look at verse 7, on my altar. But you say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. He's talking about the sacrificial offer they were offering. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Offer it then to your governor. <laughs> Would he be pleased with you? Would, you ex would he accept you favorably, says the Lord? If we treated our boss the way we treat God, would you get a paycheck? Would you get a raise? Would he say, I thank that you're God, you're in my employment. But we come to God, we give him our leftovers, and this is the least of what he wants. Because I hate to tell you, if he ain't got your pocketbook, he ain't got your heart. And I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about our life belongs to him and his name is worthy of us to give that life to but you see they thought oh this is just religion this is just going to church no one's going to notice but listen what he says look at verse 9 but now entreat God's favor he said after you do this wicked thing you treat God's favor that he may be gracious to it they said here you are the most important thing about church about the worship service is the offering and here you are corrupting the most important part of it. This morning, you know the most important thing? Was not how much money you gave. Was not how you looked when you sang. It was what God seen in our heart. It was the condition of our heart when we got here of how we've lived our life this week. 
It's are you humble? Are you reverent? Do you realize that you don't deserve to be here this morning? You don't deserve for God to show you favor. You don't deserve. God does it because he loves us. But guess what? If you've been loved, you want to love back. And Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Friends, listen, they were corrupting the very most important thing of God, the worship of God. And listen to what he goes on and says. He says in verse 10, Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? He says, what you're doing, because you're not doing it rightly, it's in vain, and there's someone ought to just stop it. But you don't. He said, who is there even among you who would shut the doors? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. For will I accept an offering from your hands? For from the rising of the sun even into the going down, listen to what God says in verse 11, my name shall be great. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering, not a lame, not a blind, not a deaf, not something you can't sell, but the best among the nations shall be, look at what he says at the bottom of verse 11, a pure offering for my name shall be great. Guys, I'm telling you what, God is concerned about how we represent his name. You ever heard people talk about these people that put bumper stickers and wear the Jesus t-shirts and then they do things that hurt his name? You get behind somebody, honk if you love Jesus. You honk at them, they bless you out. <laughs> they wear a t-shirt, I love Jesus. And they in line at Walmart raising cane with the cashier and they ain't even her fault. Or they in a restaurant and they gonna let them know they're a Christian, they leave them a track, but they don't even leave them a dollar. <laughs> you know, that don't bring glory to his name. If we're going to represent him, represent him right. Tip better than anybody else to that lost waitress. Be a perfect example of what God would want us to be in line to that poor cashier who's at Walmart putting up with all these people. <laughs> Think about stuff like that because that's how you bring glory to his name. Anybody can come in here this morning. You could have cussed out somebody on the way here and had road rage to the highest degree. You could have went out last night and ate and didn't even tip the waitress but told them, hey, hallelujah, and gave them a track. You could have done all those things and come here this morning and hold up your hands and, boy, I'm an offering. You know what God's looking at? All of that's fake. All of that's not real. Be real. And friends, you know what's happened to the church? We have got so far from them that we are belittling in his name because we think only what matters to God is what we do in here. But you know what? What we did all week matters more to God than what we actually did in here today because what you did all week determines whether he receives what we did, whether it's accepted for what we did. See, when you want to be blessed, think about his name. Look how many times he talks about his name. If you look down there, look at verse 13. You say, oh, what a weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed, look what he says. But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. You see, when we bring God 
blemished things that don't bring glory to his name, God says, instead of blessing you, I'm going to curse you. I believe with all my heart the reason a lot of churches are going through all the programs. They have money, they have programs, they have plans, but God don't bless it. It's because they're not real. They, they, they don't treat God the way his name determines to be treated because look what God said, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Look at what he says in chapter 2, this next verse. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name. You know, I was looking at this. If you go through there and read it, I got it all underlined in my Bible. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times God says give glory to my name. In chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Malachi. But listen to what he says. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you. I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you do not take it to heart. You know what? If you really think about America, do you think America, the children of God in America, the church in America, lives with the same degree of reverence to the Lord that we did 50 years ago? Do you think we honor him the way the church did 25 years ago? As our reverence has departed, as our honor has decreased, our blessings have departed and our favor has decreased because God don't play church. He's real every day, all day. And friends, listen, we have got like them. They were deceived to the point that they belittled the greatness of his, the, their God. They, they didn't treat him the way he deserved to be treated. They thought I could take the junk thing out of my herd that I can't sell and give that to God and he'd accept it. And you know what? The reason they would keep it? Because they were more worried about the temporary material blessing that that animal could bring if they sold it and what it could benefit them today instead of for what it could do with their relationship with God. And I want you to think about this. Not only did they forget that, they forgot about the holiness of God. The reason it's so easy today for us to belittle the name of God is we've forgotten about the holiness of God. When you read that, why did that animal have to be perfect or he couldn't be used? Because God's holy, he's perfect. Why did you have to give God the best? Because he deserves the best. Why was you bringing an offering in the first place? Because God's holy and you cannot enter into his courts without an offering and they were bringing an offering, but it wasn't a offering that was worthy to his name. And guys, I want you to think about this. In Deuteronomy, God told them, remember, that's their covenant people. He says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Friends, if you've been saved in Jesus' name, you're holy to the Lord. I'm going to show you that in a minute. This ain't just Old Testament. I want you to look at what God does when he makes us saved, when he, 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 he brings us into covenant relationship. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. That is the greatest blessing you'll ever get. If that's all he did for us, he did enough, amen? He chose us to be his own special people, his own special treasure 
above all the rest of the peoples on the earth. Guys, I don't know if you remember this, but everyone outside of Jesus is hellbound. They're condemned already. And they don't have access to the relationship of having God's peace beyond understanding in their heart. To have where they know at night when they lay their head down that there's a God who will be with them in the fire. That will hold the waters back when you're in the water. That you'll never be alone. That is a joy that many people don't have. That is the joy of salvation. But friends, listen. With salvation, with that love, comes a degree of responsibility. And number one is that we're to worship Him. Look at what He told them. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you. When they were doing all this, and they were doing all this corrupted stuff, they were supposed to foremost before anything else, especially the priest, observe that Sabbath day, but don't just observe it. When you come, keep it holy. Guys, we don't keep a Sabbath, but we do have the Lord's day, which is our day that we come to honor the Lord. And when we come, listen to what he told them. Only the holy things which you have and your vowed offerings you shall take to go to the place which the Lord chooses. So what he told them is the holy things which you have, the firstborn of their flock was an holy thing. And they were vowed. When they brought that offering, they made a vow. I'm giving this to God to help him to be appeased, to forgive me of my sin. It was an act of worship. It was an act of being forgiven. And here they were bringing things that were unclean. But guys, you say, that's the Old Testament, Brother Marvin. That's the law. Peter says this, but you're a chosen generation. That's us. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. The King James says peculiar. Why are we peculiar? Because we're holy. We're different. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And look at what he says. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. How easy is it us to forget the importance of being holy? To treating God as holy. To, to not belittling his name. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And guys, look at this. In Romans, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. What Paul's been talking about for 11 chapters is the greatest written down explanation of the gospel in all of the Bible. He's showing you that we're saved by faith through grace. It's no longer works through the law. We don't save ourselves by working to try to keep God's commandments. We can't do it because every one of us is condemned. But now... Because God has gave you grace and by believing him enough to put faith in him and believe that Jesus died for your sins and his death paid the price for your debt because you broke the law. And his righteousness takes away your unrighteousness and is given to you. He said with all of this, how do you respond back to that? He says by the mercy of God that you present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The um, New American Standard says, which is your act of worship. And guys, listen, how do you do that? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Friends, listen, you don't get saved, go to church, and get to live like everybody else and get the blessings that God has really for the great people he loves. There's blessings that we have forfeited because 
we don't live the way God tells us to live. You know, God tells us all that we ought to be having a burden for the lost. There's only, I like what Spurgeon said, there's two kinds of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. <laughs> if you ain't soul winning, you backslidden. We ought to be praying for the lost. We ought to have a burden for the lost. We ought to be concerned about people who don't have any evidence that they love God and God loves them. And friends, the other thing is we ought to be wanting to help people because God's helped us and all those things. But guys, listen, this is what happened to them. Because they belittled the name of God. And listen how it happened to them. It just sneaks up on you. What they did was they underestimated God's greatness. They trivialized it. They made light of who God is. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. If God is who he says he is, he's the creator. He said, let there be, there was nothing but darkness. There was no life. There was nothing that we know as what we know. And God said, let there be. And the first thing he said was light. And he made light by just saying, let it be. <laughs> and then he said, let there be. And he made everything. Out of all the things, I just seen this the other day. It, it, it's so cool. I'm going to preach a sermon on it. All the things that God made, he said by simply saying it, except one thing. Me and you. God got down to the dirt, and he took his hands, and he grabbed some of that dirt that he spoke into existence, and he started forming it, brother. And then God himself took it and put his nostrils to their nostrils and breathe the life into us. I'm alive this morning. I woke up. I may die tomorrow, but I don't care because I won't never live till I die here. Amen. Then I'll truly live. Man, Job said, if a man die, can he live? He said, I know he can live because my Redeemer lives and therefore I will live again in his sight. Friends, we got a God who is bigger than death. We got a God who created life. I think his name is worthy to give reverence to. And he created us perfect. And the one thing he told us not to do, we did. But he didn't give up on us. He continued to love us so that he can bless us. See, God wants to bless us so much more. See, what happened to him in the end? They belittled his name. They forgot about he's holy, and they treated him like we treat everybody else, thinking they could get away from him. You know what they actually did? They traded in the word of God and listened to the wisdom of the world. And if you listen to the wisdom of the world more than you listen to the word of God, you're going to lose blessings. Because they knew the word of God told them not to do what they were doing. They knew the word of God said that God's name is above all names. They knew that God's word said he was holy. But they didn't treat him that way. They didn't glorify his name. So they traded in the word of God for the wisdom of the world. Why would you do that? Because they traded the purity of God for the pleasures of the world. You see, to have the pleasures of the world, you've got to trade in the word of God. You can't have the word of God and be pure. I mean, the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world will tell you it don't matter. It's a church thing. That preacher is extravagantly crazy. He's, he's, he's an extravagant. That's not the word I was looking for. But he'll say, that preacher is fanatical. It ain't that complicated. Friends, do you not believe keeping the word of God is the most important thing we do? Instead of listening to the wisdom of the world, I'll tell you, why do you go to church every Sunday? 
Why do you give money to the Lord? Why do you worship this God? See, and the next thing you say, man, you know what? You can do this. Well, the Word of God says not to do it. Well, everybody else is doing it. So you compromise. Why? Because the pleasures of the world feel good. There's benefit to them. Would you agree? I mean, if, if sin doesn't bring some type of temporary satisfaction fulfillment, we wouldn't do it. But we do it because we choose that over being pure before God. And the most important thing about every one of us right now in our relationship with God is where we are in our purity and our righteousness. Because when we get in sin, sin always hinders the blessings. Because what they ultimately did, they traded in the word of God to the point they traded the purity of God so they could have the pleasures of the world. And what that cost them, guys, is the blessings of God. They traded in the blessings of God for the temporary benefits of the world. That's why they sold their good cows at the stock barn instead of gave them at the altar. And when you're chasing money and the things that money can buy, at the cost of giving up, putting God first, when you are more concerned with the benefits of today than the blessings of eternity, you're going to lose blessings. Is it easy to always make God first? No. But you can if you just say, God, I want you to be first. You know what? Every time we come to God and we say, God, I recognize that I went astray. Every time we say, God, I ask you to forgive me. You're bringing glory to his name. You're acknowledging for you to be able to come into his presence is he's holy and I'm no longer holy Every time you say, Lord, I know the only way I can be forgiven and cleansed is if the blood of Jesus. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Lord, would you help me to repent? Lord, I know I'm not blessable in the spiritual condition that I'm in. I know I'm not doing the way I should. They didn't want to see that. You know what it cost them? 400 years of silence. Last time God spoke to Israel till he sent John the Baptist and sent Jesus. There's a lot of people ain't hearing nothing from God because you ain't listening to God. You ain't getting a lot of God's blessings because you're seeking the benefit of the world more than God. Friends, the greatest thing you'll ever do for God is say, God, I want you more than anything else. And if you'll do that, he'll give himself to you. You know, the first step, I believe in all of my heart, in being blessed by God with the special blessings reserved for his beloved his covenant people who are the ones he has saved and he is in a loving relationship that is eternal is that we bring honor and respect to his name by treating him with reverence. It's all his. None of it's ours. We just get to use it for a little while. And when we say, Lord, it's yours, you're the master, I'm going to honor you. When you say, you're my father, I'm going to reference you and respect you. I'm going to treat you the way you deserve to be treated. Guess what he does? He blesses us above and beyond what we could ever expect. You know, this morning, the first thing you got to know is you're saved. Amen. If you've never been saved, if you've never confessed that I know I'm not right with you, God, that I have sinned and I've never trusted your provision that is for your glory, that you sent your son and he died on the cross. And I have to humble myself and say, Lord, I can't save myself. I can't change what I've done. But, Lord, I come to you like I am, just with all my sin. When you bring your sin to God, that brings glory to the name of Jesus. That's what he came for. And you say, here I am, Lord, a sinner. Forgive me. 
I believe you. I trust you. He saves you. He brings you in. He adopts you. He, he removes your debt. You're redeemed. And friends, you can enter into a new relationship to where now you're his child. He's your shepherd. You're his sheep. He's going to lead you down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he's going to bless you with the green pastures and the good still waters. When you walk even through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll not fear evil because he's with you. His rod, his spirit, they protect you. And guess what he says? That he has set a table for us. A table filled with the bounty of the blessings of God. And we'll sit with him forever and it'll be overflowing and abundant. I don't know about y'all, God's worth getting right with, amen? The ultimate thing that blesses us is saying, Lord, whatever I got to do, I'm willing to do to get right. And you, if you need to get saved today, you're at the right place. So I'm going to invite you to come forward today and say, Lord, I need to be saved. Maybe you're out of place. You're not where God wants you. God's looking for a place to place you, a place where he can work in your life. Surrender to that. Submit to that. Give God authority over your life, and he will bless you. But today, trust him. That's basically what you do. Are we going to stand together? I'm going to pray. What are we going to sing, Brother Jonathan? I surrender all. If you need to be saved, come today. If there's something in your life you need to surrender to God, surrender it to God and look forward to what God will do. Father in heaven, we ask you today to move upon this service, upon this time of invitation and response. Lord, I know this sermon put me on my face. It made me evaluate where I'm at. It made me have a talk with you about why I'm doing it. And I asked you, Lord, to show me anything in my life that's not the way you want it to be and to give me grace to trust you to fix it. Lord, I'm asking you to do what you did for me already through this message in the heart of your children today. Lord, if there's one fighting against you, kicking against the goads, Lord, help him to surrender. And if there's one here lost today, one breath, one step from hell, help him to make that step towards you. And Lord, you'll walk with him for the rest of his days. Help that person today who's fighting you to come on board with you, to quit going against you and to surrender to you. Father, we thank you and we love you. And we thank you for loving us. Touch us today with your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.